Hello, everybody. You are listening to a podcast by Touching Success. My name is Joy. And for you guys who follow along, my companions are not in the room. That would be Jojo and Sterling. They're my African greys. Sometimes they like to participate a little bit too loudly. And so I decided today to let them have a little bit of a break. Today, I want to talk about learning disabilities. Learning disabilities come in different forms and there are different types. I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of that right now. I want to talk about how an IEP can help children with learning disabilities and the process that a child's family will go through in order to get support for those learning disabilities. Something that's being done now, I like the process of it because I think it keeps more kids out of special education that maybe a few years ago even the kids would have been put into it because they didn't have this process. So what am I talking about? Another acronym, R-T-I, which stands for Response to Intervention. So I'm going to be honest here, I don't know a whole lot about RTI as my students typically did not go through that process. Sometimes, but not enough for me to be super familiar with it. So I'm going to do the best I can. Okay, RTI, Response to Intervention. It starts off with three tiers. The bottom tier is classroom intervention. It's what the teacher can put into effect for all the kids that the, all the kids can benefit from, but they're specifically looking at the kids in the classroom that are showing little to no improvement in their academics. Tier two is small group intervention. So those are the kids that get pulled to the side and get to work with a teacher or a helper or an aide and have their needs worked on that way. And then tier three is individual intervention. That is what it sounds like. It's a one-on-one with a teacher or an aide or a volunteer to work with the kid. Now it's a little bit different than what a lot of teachers will do, and I can appreciate it, I've done it, is you kind of look around and you say, oh, that looks like a good program, I'm gonna use some of that, and that looks really good, I'm gonna use some of that. And that's okay if your principal approves it. This is more research-based. It has to have been proven, steps 1 through 26, that it works to improve the child's abilities and skills in their academics. So research-based is basically where a university or maybe a couple of people uh, with a specialty in education have have done rigorous testing and have shown that there is good to great progress with children and certain types of disabilities. So research-based, it's a big deal in special education. You're not supposed to use programs that are not research-based 90% of the time. Although I do have to clarify, RTI is not special education. It is the step prior to education to try to keep kids from having to go into special education. Some kids just fall behind by a year or two. They get this intensive work with a teacher and then they've caught up and then they can keep going with the rest of the academics with their peers. It's 
it can work really well. It just has to be done right. A solid research-based supported education program is what we call an Orton-Gillingham program or ONG. It's designed to work with students who have difficulty hearing certain letters within mixed words. It's not that they're deaf, it's just they don't quite hear that difference. So the Orton-Gillingham program and those programs that are based upon the same concept have been researched a lot and are considered scientifically research-based programs and so they often are used within RTI programs to help kids catch up to their peers in their reading. Another thing about RTI and even if the district doesn't ask you to be parents you should be involved in this program and you should learn what they're doing at the school so you can reinforce it at home so the kid is getting the same support in both places and also keep data that you can hand over to the school which will help to show yes this child is making fantastic improvement or no this child's made no improvement this is not working what are our next steps so let's say you've gotten your child all the way through uh, tiers one through three and the tiers aren't working. What's the next step there? From what I understand, that's when you start looking at testing a child for receiving special education services, which are a little more intense than even the RTI can provide. RTI is response to intervention. I just realized I'm neglecting something that actually can be almost as helpful as RTI or included with RTI, which is what we call a 504 plan. I don't know where 504 came from, but that's what they call it. A 504 plan provides accommodations within the classroom that might help a student do better with their academics. One example might be a child who knows how to type, so they have the child use an affordable laptop that has spell check on it. Now, not during tests, but it would be for doing reports because the child has such a hard time spelling that maybe the writing is even impossible to read because it's just so misspelled. But when they're on the computer, the computer can tell them what words are wrong through the red underlining and a lot of kids with learning disabilities can then figure out with the drop-down menu what word they need. This is not true for all students, but if you find that it is for a student, you can put it into a 504 plan. So that is one example of a 504 plan for a student. There's lots of different variations of it, and you can discuss it with the school and the school with you and get something that might really work for the kid while they are working on getting caught up academically. Okay, so now what? We have the child on a 504 plan and the child receiving RTI services, and the child's still not showing enough improvement to help them catch up to their peers. So what do we do? This is when the testing process comes into place for going into special education. I've actually know some kids who hate the thought of being in special education. So you have to be really, really careful about how this 
process gets approached. I've heard of students who just shut down and, and they'll just sit there and not do anything, not respond, nothing. It's just something to keep an eye on and make sure that the child is paying attention. Even I did have one child I was testing and was looking to see if she had a reading disability. And she was reading and she was reading properly. I mean, like her eyes and everything were doing what they were supposed to be doing. But she kept saying whatever, 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 whatever. And she was in sophomore year. And because she kept doing that, it knocked her reading level down to first grade. And so I just turned to her and I said, oh, I, I didn't realize that I'd have to get the first grade textbooks out. And she said, oh, wh why? And I explained to her, I'm like, you said whatever every four words. And I said, and it sounds like you're really struggling with your reading. And then she sort of got this look and then I said would you like to retest and she said yes and then it turns out she was about eighth grade reading level which wasn't nearly as bad as kindergarten so I I would just want to put out there be careful for some of those kids that's what they do because they just don't want to be in special ed and they they don't realize that it's actually the exact opposite of what they want by misreading everything so be sensitive with them, all kids, but especially teenagers. They're going to be the most sensitive because they're the ones who've struggled the longest to get by. And for some reason, they never got caught. And that's to me, that's really sad. As a school district, we should be catching these kids somewhere between K and third grade and trying to catch them up then, not high school. That's just, I don't know how that happens. I honestly don't know how that happens. Especially because in third grade, there's a flip. It's between third and fifth, but usually it's third grade. And it's when you go from the state of learning to read to reading to learn. And when that switch happens, it's not overnight. It's just sort of the teachers guide them through it. Then that's when our kids with special needs, whichever the special need is, start to fall apart. Because now they can't just fake it. There's usually less pictures in the book, um, long chapters now, and then they start having to do reports that are more cohesive than the ones that they had been doing. They're doing a higher vocabulary level in all of their subjects, science and social studies and what have you. And if this child is really struggling to read, they're not going to be able to reach that state of learning to read. So if you're a teacher between K and fifth, there's various really quick 10 minute tests that you can do to flush out some of the students who are having these difficulties. And then if you find them, it, they can be jumped into an RTI program and hopefully catch up and then zoom on ahead with everybody else. That's the ideal situation. I know some schools will automatically insist that all students are tested between kindergarten and first grade looking for the baseline symptoms of a learning disability, primarily dyslexia. So then they're caught early and then we have an earlier intervention and the kid can keep going and never even know that they had problems with reading. Another reason to catch these students early is their social world, their social life. Kids around them know when another kid is not doing well. 
And unfortunately, some kids, and we all have had them in our classroom, can be a little bit rude about the situation. They call them names, and I'm not going to repeat those names, but um, they just keep falling further behind. The kids tease them, and it's just it's just not a good situation to be in. And then for parents, you can help out with this by playing games that require reading. Simple games, but that they're not child-based, not little child-based. And a teacher should be able to help you find some of those. And you can do them in the car, you can do them before dinner, whichever works out for you. Just little play games that are fun and not embarrassing. I'm kind of into the whole embarrassing thing just because I've had so many students who just, they shut down when I go and take them out of the classroom to work with them. And I, I just, the more embarrassed they are about the situation, then the more difficult it is to work with the kid. Just a quick example was I had one student, she would never come with me to go and do her work. She just wouldn't. And so I sat and I talked with the principal and we brainstormed a plan and it worked really well. This is a high school student, sophomore year. And so what he started doing was during my time slot with her was calling her down to the office as a, as the principal, as if she was in trouble and it happened, you know, every Thursday at two o'clock, she was in trouble and she was having to go to the principal's office and it, it didn't seem like anybody got caught on to it, but she preferred working with me after we started doing that. I, I adore so many students. Sometimes I scratch my head at some of the uh, interventions we have to do so that we can work with them. But, you know, if, if I kept going into her classroom and pulling her out, she just wouldn't work with me at all. Do it this other way. She was great, very cooperative, and we got a lot of stuff done. So the other reason to help these kids learn to read as young as possible is that they're behavior, if they have behavior issues, may start having behavior problems, but if they already do, the, the behavior could get worse. And you, we don't want to see that because now they're learning improper ways of dealing with stress and anxiety. And the other thing too, is that each grade level that they go up, they exponentially learn new vocabulary words. And those vocabulary words are important to learn for reading purposes, understanding their academic work, and also sounding like they're growing older as they should. So there's lots of reasons to really work out catching a learning disability as young as possible. If you suspect your kid, ask the school to test. And if the school won't test, there are resources out there that you can make use of to get a child tested. I actually am trained to do that as well. So that if a parent comes to me suspecting dyslexia, which is what I'm trained to test for, uh, I can check that out for them and see how well the, how far along the kid is in that. I think that's pretty much all I have for today. A little bit shorter because I don't want to go into too much detail yet about dyscalculia and dyslexia and those different disabilities that cause difficulty with academics. There's not enough time left. So if you have any questions, please feel free to email me. Email addresses, emailjoy at touchingsuccess.education.
So email joy at touchingsuccess.education. Love to hear from you. Let me know how things are going. Any hints or tips that you've picked up over the years as a parent with special needs or a family friend or just about anyone who just is curious about how this all works. Maybe about yourself. Sometimes adults don't even know they have it. And I will go into it more in another podcast. All right. Have a wonderful day.